Welcome to Cobb, Conversations on the Business of Brands with Sudeep Chavla and Sharvan Raghavan. So great. Uh, there's a good news for our listeners today. We get to interview somebody who I have known for long. I haven't interacted significantly with him over the years. But both of us studied in the same B school, in the same class and were part of the same, what I should call a secret league called the MSA. We will talk a little bit more about it. He was the media secchi at that point in time and somebody who has now grown to be the guru of product marketing and has a number of laurels against his name. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce to you Lijo Isaac. Hi, Lijo. Hey, hi, Sudeep. Hey, welcome to Cobb. Yeah, it's a pleasure being here. Okay, excellent. So rather than me telling you more about Lijo, I will leave uh, Lijo to do a little bit of introduction and I'll only highlight the embarrassing parts of his journey that he doesn't want to talk about. <laughs> so why don't you give our listeners a little bit of your career introduction, Lijo, and then we will take it from there. Hey, yeah, thanks, Sudeep. We have known each other for last 20 years, you know, when we enrolled in the same school and when yes. we are working in the same student organization, it has been a really long time. So unlike most of the batchmates who went to FMCG consulting or IT, I chose to uh, go on a different path. So uh, entered into internet uh, after B-School, uh, one year after B-School, after dabbling with uh, a product company, uh, then have been in internet throughout. So started uh, with Rediff.com as uh, one of the youngest product managers at that point of time. Uh, you know, straight out of B-School, the first uh, B-School batch that got into any product management role anywhere in India. Then uh, work with uh, a couple of startups. Uh, one of them got acquired by Flipkart. The first ever acquisition of Flipkart, it was a startup called WeRead, which was into books, uh, reviews, etc. At that time, Flipkart was only into selling books. Uh, then work with another startup, which was incubated at Wharton, uh, which was trying to solve that trust for celebrities problem. Uh, the same thing that Elon Musk is trying to do through the blue tick now. We tried solving that in 2009. Then the e-commerce uh. way was just starting off in India. So started with a company called Formshop 18, which belonged to Network 18, uh, was one of the founding members of the e-commerce team, worked there for five years. Then we got acquired by Reliance. So we got acquired by Reliance into what is currently known as Ajio. I worked uh, on the entire e-commerce experience there, uh, primarily the buy side experience, setting up search, browse, merchandising, you know, the checkout, the payments. So it was a really good journey out there for five years. After which uh, that option came to move to Reliance, but I decided to again continue with startups because I have already fallen in love with startups and work with Practo for three years. There it was a slightly different role. From product management, I shifted to growth marketing uh, or more of product marketing. So worked in Practo for three years, grew their uh, traffic from 2 million to 20 million over three years, launched multiple initiatives, uh, product-led initiatives without spending money, how to do marketing. That was the primary problem statement there. Then after Practo, I decided to take a small career break. I acted in a BBC TV documentary, which was a very popular show in TV, uh, TV called Great Canal Journeys. You know, the, so it was a it was an enjoyable journey where, uh, you know, we lived in boats in Brahmaputra and, you know, Kerala for one week and shot with uh, two octogenarians from uh, the British theatre scenes. It was a really enjoyable journey and then moved back to product management, started with the wealth management division of Paytm. Again, I was a part of the founding team uh, there, which launched a product which is currently known as Paytm Money, set up the mutual fund part of that business, worked, uh, worked on the equity part of that business as well, the common platforms, uh, launched NPS and handled digital gold as well. Uh, worked in Paytm for three years and then when the pandemic was just starting off, uh, joined Byju's, uh, launched uh, a product for online classes, currently handling the online classes product for Byju's. It's a product called two teacher model where two teachers are present within the class. The product has grown nicely from, you know, from zero to almost like 300,000 paid students over the last three years. Uh, so this has been my career journey till now. <laughs> Excellent. It's a, it's a very exciting one, Lijo. I think hmm. there are lots of inspirations to be had from taking the first dip into internet, <laughs> yeah, e-commerce, taking a career break, going into acting. So let's talk about each one of those as we progress further. You used a few terms when you were describing your career and I thought that it will be good for our listeners to understand them. 
Yeah. Uh, Sharon and I have spoken a lot about brand and brand marketing as we mm-hmm. before this episode. And there are a couple of terms that you spoke about. I thought it will be good to have your point of view of what is the difference between, for example, pra- brand marketing, then product marketing, product management, and growth marketing. These are three, yeah. four terms which gets used. And uh, I'm not sure how many of us are very clear about what each one of these means. I've I've kind of encountered this question and I've asked this question and I've never really found clarity from anybody I've asked this question to. So therefore, <laughs> I've, I've, we've landed at you, hoping to get clarity with you. No pressure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure, Sharon. Uh, sure. Uh, so, Deep, uh, so, see, this lack of clarity has always been there, even when I started my career. So there is this uh, famous note by Marty Kagan, who is a product management uh, practitioner who is well known <laughs> on the difference between product management and product marketing. So if you look at it, mm-hmm. uh, product management uh, is basically defining the user experience and defining the product requirements, which is which is what we call as shaping the product. So mm-hmm. in, any, in a consumer internet product, how does the product, I mean, what is the consumer insight or the problem that is being solved out there and how, how to creatively solve the problem? That is what the product manager is responsible for. While a product marketer is responsible for telling the world about that product, which is a slightly different thing. Mm, so mm. a product marketer will give a lot of really good inputs to a product manager, which will become one of the core things based on which the product is being created. Mm. While the product manager will give similar inputs to a product marketer on some of the differentiate of the of the product based on which he can do marketing and he can tell the world about the product. That mm. is the difference between product marketer and product marketing. Coming to the growth marketing part and brand marketing, so growth marketing is everything on a consumer internet products minus brand part. So primarily it is ROI driven, which includes any kind of paid marketing, on marketing, you know, any kind of organic marketing. A lot of those things come under growth marketing. But okay. the core of that also is the fact that you can fundamentally, if your product is fundamentally good, then you don't have to worry about marketing at all in a consumer internet product. So you can have examples from India and outside of products like Dropbox or product like Facebook, where, uh, you know, the product itself grew viral because of the use case that it was trying to solve. While in the case of brand marketing, it is slightly different. Any kind of association with respect to that product will come in the aspect of brand, which will include parts of product, parts of product marketing and parts of, you know, growth marketing as well. So when the product grows and there are like multiple products who are chasing the same customer, and everything becomes commoditized. That is when the brand will become the differentiator using mm. which, uh, you know, people will start using the product. Okay. Excellent. Now, I think it is very well stated. And if I were to ask you, Lejo, product management is critical mm. to formation of the product, various features, etc. around it. A significant role, obviously, therefore happens when the product is actually getting created. And then possibly later on as a feedback from the market, optimizing the user experience. Then product marketing obviously picks up the features and creates stories around them or creates uh, narratives around it. How to take it Mm -hmm. to the market, how to take it to consumer. And that is where I think the growth marketing also starts playing a role. How to make sure that the stories reach maximum number of people with the best amount of ROI. Yeah. Thereby bringing new users or usage from repeat users. And then lastly, once there is a surfeit of products in the same market that are uh, competing for the same consumer, that is when you need somebody to pick up the brand side of it and create brand associations, which can help you differentiate from other products which are solving for the same use case. 100% you nailed it correctly, uh, Sudhi. But the only challenge is that all these four skill sets are really different and each of them is a full-time job. Typically, the challenges happen when maybe in startups or, or even in big companies, people expect one single person to do all these roles, which will become really overwhelming. So that is what happens uh, That because of which most a lot of products become incomplete and uh, you know the product experience itself breaks down because the same person will be doing marketing, uh, product management, you know, the brand marketing, the growth marketing, everything together. 
so that is why each of them each of these uh, disciplines would require somebody who is well versed on it depending upon the stage of growth of that particular product and when you say when we talk about the popular marketing of lead generation and downloads all of that would be under growth marketing brand focus would be under brand marketing yes you are right you are right so so lijo would this be a cascade thing for a startup would a startup first focus on building the product focus on product marketing then go to growth marketing and then brand marketing or does that really vary in different industries it actually varies so i have worked with founders who are very strong in marketing uh, but there there were some other founders who were very strong in product discovery as well so in the startups i feel it is really different and it's a fight for survival when i when i say survival it's a it's a fight for finding the product market fit so if you find the product market fit then the marketing part of it would come into place so essentially if when there is, what do you mean by product market fit is primarily that there is somebody out there who has a problem which you are trying to solve and they are ready to pay for it if right. you are finding people like that you know then you can actually get into marketing how to expand those Uh, the scope of those people or the number of those people who are having that problem uh, you know right. that's the way we have to look at it so in the startup the first thing that you have to focus on is creating a, a great product that is solving a customer problem and which has a product market fit and if the market is large then you should start with marketing you know mm-hmm. so lead generation and then brand marketing and uh, things like that got it. but if the f- founder has a marketing taste then you will see that uh you know the brand part was brand part is always there even when you are trying to get into that product market fit mode so lijo uh, now that you picked it up uh i wanted to delve deeper into one specific aspect when we speak to marketers today there is interest uh, that all of them express into product marketing and product management separately correct yeah and we keep hearing uh, all of them inquire about these two careers in these two and specifically with the background of internet focused companies correct you have had significant experience in these so uh, can you help our listeners identify what are the key attributes which make you successful in these two careers differently and what is it that they should expect as a you know day in the life of either a, a first a product marketer and then a product manager so that they can picture themselves and see which career are they really meant for and they can really prepare for it yeah sure uh, let's first start with uh, maybe product management a product manager is someone who is responsible for shaping the product and shipping the product now shaping the product if you look at the skill sets uh, it includes consumer insights when you say consumer insight it's primarily you know the user experience the fluency with the data you know and being the voice of the customer out there uh then the product the other skill sets that the product manager would require are things like product strategy and uh, product execution when you say product strategy it's about uh, how uh, you are able to drive business outcome and how much ownership you have out there and uh, what is the product vision and road mapping that uh, you are doing as a product manager that is that would come under product strategy and the next is product execution which includes things like feature specification how should the users be using your product uh, and product delivery and product quality where you work very closely with the engineering and lastly in between all this uh, there is another aspect of influencing people as well because as a product manager you have a lot of uh, responsibility but you don't have much authority on the people who are working on the product these people would be from engineering from design from marketing you know legal and from multiple other teams so you need to have very strong influencing skills up bottom as well as uh, among the peers that is something that is very important so these are the kind of skills that you would look uh, that you would need as a product manager but for product marketing it is slightly different but that consumer insight part still remains the same because you need to understand uh, you should speak to the customers try to understand what is the problem that is being solved whether that problem is being solved in the best possible way so that's one part and unlike a product manager uh, maybe a product marketing manager should be a little bit more creative on the marketing aspects of it and the work with engineering may not be as deep as how a product manager would ideally do 
because the product manager would is also responsible for the product quality and ensuring that product is working as expected which involves a lot of technical um, you know aspects as well while a product man- marketing manager does not have to worry about all those things he would look at a product manager as a partner to ensure that uh, you know those things are being taken care of so the career in product management as well as product marketing manager management disciplines both of them are like really fulfilling but it depends finally on what you want to do so there are product marketing managers who have become product managers and vice versa as well uh, you know as the career progresses so it it finally boils down to what you really want to do and whether you enjoy what you are doing okay fair quick small one as a rejoinder mm-hmm. uh, to become a product manager do you need to be uh, you know a coder in your previous life do you need need to know coding or can a non engineer non coding background guy do well as a product manager yeah a non coding background guy can do really well as a product manager uh, so hmm. somebody who is coming from uh, an engineering background they always try to see how the product is superior from a technical hmm. point of view but mm. somebody who is coming from a non engineering background they may actually look at it from a user point of view so i have recruited product managers in my team who were from the background of human resources from sociology and from lot of non engineering disciplines who became really stellar product managers as the career progressed so you need to converse with engineers and you need to have a passion for technology but you need not know coding or you need not uh you don't have to do coding in most of the good product management companies you know if you're working as a product manager right so it's not just the engineers taking all the marketing jobs it's the other <laughs> way around also <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> yes <laughs> that's right <laughs> but that takes me to a very interesting point lijo so in so you know we both come from a large fmcg background right so we have this kick about touching so many people's lives when we see the product in the market the packs disappearing from the stores and all that and you worked across brands which touch pretty much every indian's life today i don't think yeah. anybody would have an email today without ever having gone across readif or looked up a doctor and look, looking up doctors and practitioners i'm sure it still continues with yeah. byju's with paytm i think you've touched a brands that have touched a lot of people's lives how do you develop your domain expertise across the, across these brands because all of them are very different industries at the end of the day while they could still be tech centric how, how do you go so, about something like finances i'm i'm not sure something i, I can pick up overnight and when work on a new finance product how did you do all that yeah so uh, as you progress in your product management career you can either become a domain expert or you can become a functional expert so mm-hmm. so when you say uh, a domain expert somebody who would work only on the fintech product for uh, say x number of years that is a domain expert and second is a functional expert somebody who is very strong from a uh, product management point of view on how to interview customers how to do the product discovery and create something of value which the customers would admire so one of the things that i believe have helped me was the fact that uh, i am inherently curious uh, so you would know i mean from the time in b school as well Uh, so i wanted to learn a lot about uh, you know new things that was happening and uh, in each of these brands that you mentioned uh, sharan it was there was a lot of unlearning rather than learning something new of what i had done in my previous <laughs> role it's tough but as long as you enjoy uh, you know nothing is tough so mm. and you need to adapt and stay relevant as you progress in your career as well because uh, when we passed out uh, 20 years back web development was supposed to be a cool thing but now that job is no longer there so <laughs> tech and product management is a very fast moving it's an industry that is evolving at a really fast pace right uh, now a is coming in so you know you need to get ready for that mentally and see how that can be used to improve the lives of customers all across that's the way you will have to look at it but uh, most of the good product managers are inherently curious and they would strive to learn new things as they progress in your career because that is something that you have to do to ensure that you are able to create uh, products which are you know really great awesome 
I'm going to mm. press on that a little more, Lijo, because I think you're being a little modest there. Oh. Curiosity, I get, right? Yeah. Now you're going from one company to another where I don't expect them to have a formal induction process and all that to get you yeah. into the industry or the domain you're going to be working in. Do you have any set of learning hacks that accelerates your learning in a in a specific domain? I ask that because there are a lot of people who in the startup world go from one industry to another. Is that something that you practice or is there some toolkit or something you do to bring you up to speed because there, I'm sure there's no not enough time to do that. No, there is uh, you're right. Uh, there is no time to do a formal induction or anything like that and in fact that is not needed. So uh, the, what is needed is to have a growth mindset. So when we were creating the product at Paytm money um you know the first thing that we did was to ensure that we are interviewing people who have been working in fintech industry for quite some time but what we realized was that they were not approaching the problems in the way a digital company would do say for example mm-hmm. when we were interviewing people for mutual fund product manager roles what we realized was that a lot of them were worried about regulators uh you know and how regulators would uh, view the product rather than thinking about how customers would use the product so ah. that was actually a red flag you know when we were interviewing the products for uh, we were interviewing the people for the initial product manager role uh, so i mean you can't actually blame those people for that because they have come up from an industry where you know that is the way they are attuned to think so that's right. what i meant when i said that you need to have a growth mindset mm-hmm. and you need to unlearn and then relearn again uh i uh, to go deep into one example similar things have happened in all these companies that i have mentioned and if if you look at any of these companies right most of these companies have been created by people who are as as old as us uh right. you know by thinking about the same problem in a slightly different way be it practo or ptm or byju's or even uh, you know any of the e-commerce companies that were there in india etc etc so the problems have always been there but how you approach solving the problems is what make it really different wow. uh, and that is where uh, a good great product manager or a great founding team would uh, create a huge difference amazing hmm. i like how simplistically you put it it's quite good actually it's it yeah. it uh, creates a very good uh, frame of thinking in one's head Uh, so thank you for that lejo curiosity yeah. and a problem solving mindset is all you saying it takes yeah growth mindset versus you know problem mindset fixed mindset I, yeah. i call the other mindset as fixer mindset fixer mindset okay yeah so uh, yeah I mean, that is common i mean you will see this terms being mentioned in lot of uh, indian internet companies but having a growth mindset is what would uh, help you to so- approach problems in the in the right way excellent right. fair yeah. lejo uh, I know you must be now getting bugged about the fact that we keep sp- we are talking to you only about product management but forgive us for doing this because we talk a lot about brand and growth and other stuff we have now that we have you at our disposal so therefore we are going on and on about it but possibly the last question on that side before we delve into other sides of your personality uh you have done a number of product launches by now correct yeah uh, i'm hoping that there were a number of success there were a few failures also Yeah yeah so if it is okay for you i would want you to recount uh, one success product launch and one failure product launch for our listeners more yeah. importantly focus on what did you learn from each one of them yeah so you know there have been multiple instances of successes and failures uh, as i progressed in my career but uh, maybe paytm money was one of the most fulfilling successes that i had in my career when we launched it because already uh, so even though we were a part of ptm we were a separate uh, startup that was based in bangalore working from a co-working space and uh, for the first 4 5 months we didn't even use the brand ptm for any of the things that we were uh, working on it was a very tough product to launch and uh, when we were going out and uh, you know meeting various stakeholders we could see a lot of suspicion in the interactions that uh, they were having with us uh you know but uh, thankfully we could build the trust and it helped us in creating a stellar product and it was a huge mm. success because uh the use so i if i still remember those twitter comments and all those all those feedback that we got at that point of time it was really good for all the effort that we had put in over the last one year 
before launching the product but the failure was also there because the after the launch within next two days uh, one of india's most prominent newspapers carried a news item on the front page which said that people are struggling to do kyc to access the new paytm <laughs> product because we never never expected so many people to sign up for that product we had estimated uh, you know high four digit or five digit number of people who would sign up for paytm money but Uh, it was like uh, the doors opening for a rajinikanth movie in tamil nadu <laughs> so the so uh, so so the inflow was much more than that thankfully uh, we could work with the larger paytm team and uh, we went to some parts in north india where we had a large kyc setup already and we trained them you know that was my first visit to that town so that's the way we overcame that uh, failure that that point of time but hmm. the learning from that is that still even now uh, the process that we follow in paytm was uh, very highly automated and we could do as many kyc's as a traditional bank by using only 15 or 20 people and that too within like 20 or 30 minutes so when we started it was like 24 hours plus but we brought down, brought down that time lag considerably by doing a lot of automations in the backend and uh, you know that's the way we came out of that so if you look at it in the middle of difficulty lies the opportunity and you should learn from the failures and try to see how you could have uh, you know worked on that problem or approach that problem in with a slightly different solution to make it even better for the customers who are using the product nice nice so we asked for a product management lesson we got a life philosophy thank you for that lecho <laughs> I, I think, think all the answers have been along the same lines. Yeah, so, I, I think it's more about the personality. No, I think Lijo is slowly moving to the top level of Maslow's hierarchy, <laughs> and it is fairly expected that you might get a lot of life actualization lessons from Lijo through the course of this podcast. And uh, I'm happy our listeners will get much more what than what they bargained for. So yeah. I'm not complaining for one. <laughs> Okay excellent so let's now with uh, Sharan your permission let's move ahead of product management yes please let's and do. Uh, get to another facet of lijo which is around angel investing okay yeah again uh, lijo angel investing is something which is not very highly penetrated in india mm-hmm. uh, not too many people are currently participating in it there is a significant potential right so uh, we would want to delve a little bit more on this so first tell us uh, when you started or in your journey have you had any mentors on this how did you pick it up how did you grow into it yeah um, so this started uh, when some of the people uh, who were a part of my team approached me and uh, asked me whether i would be investing in a, doing any whether i would be interested in doing an angel in their startup um hmm. so i had never done angel investing at that point of time but um i knew that the people were good you know and uh, you know the problem was large and that is how i started angel investing so i did my hmm. share of mistakes uh, you know but uh, it has been a good uh, uh, journey in terms of uh, you know getting a balcony seat to a lot of companies uh, which we were like which were like just germinating and uh, trying to grow uh, you know to a bigger offshoot so some of the angel investments have been really good uh, there were some investments in which i got 15x 20x uh, kind of returns as well so the idea here is that you know whether you can bet on the team that is working on it so one of the questions that i had in mind always when i do any in, when when i was doing any of the angel investments as well should i invest in team or should i invest in market you know so the market may be large but if mm, the team is right. not great then how do you do that or the team is really great uh, mm. but the market is very small then how do you do that um, so i had my fair of uh, fair share of learnings there but now i go mostly with the problem that they are trying to solve because i have seen that some of the companies where i had invested initially some of them pivoted to a different problem and then became a i mean even bigger startup as they grew along so that is the way i had approached it but uh, i didn't have any mentors primarily the people who were a part of my team who who was looking for some advice in uh, from product or from tech or a growth perspective were the first people who requested for angel investments and that's the way it has progressed hmm okay okay so we get that that you uh, 
uh, focus significantly on the team yeah. uh, because the team might be solving one problem today they might pivot to another one but if yeah. the team is good they will make something out of it yeah correct lijo you work yourself in multiple startup environments right yeah. so w- what is the role you play when you are an angel investor do you participate in the business or do you give them guidance and when you said you have a balcony seat when you know something's going wrong what do you do do you step in do you not step in i know it's a very delicate equation between the angel investor and the startup team and the founders how do you manage that so in angel investing until unless you are being asked for help uh, you know you typically stay out of how the company is being run uh, okay. but since i knew some or most of the people uh, where uh, i have made an investment uh, uh, you know i mean they ask for some advices in hiring uh, sometimes for interviewing people uh, you know for product roles for marketing roles etc mm. sometimes they would uh, you know bounce off some ideas you know that's a kind of uh, help that is typically uh, requested by most of the founders when you have made a direct investment uh, you know and not through a syndicate so that's the way uh, typically uh, it works um, when i say balcony seat it's essentially on how the company has progressed over x number of months or x number of uh, you know years after right. the initial investment has been made so it's a it's also a zero sum game you either it becomes really big or Uh, you may end up making nothing at all if you are planning to do angel investment you should ensure that only a certain part of your portfolio goes for angel investments mm. you know so everything else remains as it is and that's a risk that you are uh, taking right okay and how do startups reach out to the angel investors is it better to approach the syndicates through their websites or is there a back channel approach that they can get access to because i meet a lot of the founders because i am not able to get access to vcs or angels and when i talk to some of the angels they say you just have to go to the website and figure it out so some one one side is saying it's so simple and the other side is saying i just have no access so what's what's the right way to go about this if you're a startup founder see actually it's really simple uh, to get access to any of the angel investors the best way to do it is through a common connection Uh, mm. so if there is a common connection who is introducing a startup founder you know then that's the best way to go about it uh, but lot of people what they do is that they send cold emails to mm. you to any of your email ids by uh, using any of those uh, you know lead generation tools or whatever it is and it's a blind mail that goes to all the angel investors by just changing the name right uh, that may not make the cut but there are some very smart startup founders who specifically will look at your profile see where you will be able to add value then uh, you know you they write a custom mail saying that you have done this 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 is the way i would be able to uh, this is way i am envisioning the your participation as an angel investor in my startup these are the areas where you would be able to help etc so when you get a mail like that which is uh, specifically customized then uh, you know you end up meeting the founder and if everything goes good then you end up making an investment hmm Interesting. So there is a lesson here for all the uh, startup owners who are wanting to approach angel partners. That do invest that time, attention, curate your email, think of the role that you want them to play, and be deliberately in your approach. Blanket mass cold email might not fetch you too much. Correct. Lead hacking is not the way to get to VCs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Correct. It needs curation. Okay. Yeah. Fair. now But there uh, is one more thing out here um yes the uh, see uh, i would say rather than approaching the investors it has to be the other way around so mm. so there are some very hot deals where everybody wants a participation mm. uh, you know those kind i mean those founders don't go out and uh, try pitching to the angel investors you know the angel investors would come in search of them mm. uh, mm-hmm. you know there are some uh products which i use and then you know the, after using it i decided that oh this if i can actually get a participatory role in this it would be good and then i try to reach out to the founder that is the mm. other way as well it's mm. just that that portfolio size is there uh, for a lot of angel investors and they want to invest and it's not that you have to reach out to the angel investor it's the other way around as well if, it, if your product is inherently good 
whether it's a consumer internet product or a SaaS product or a D2C product, then uh, you wouldn't have any uh, issues in getting, um, you know, angel investments. Hmm. Okay. So out of all the, uh, for example, products that you have either considered or invested into Lijo, hmm. you know, maybe uh, if we were to try and say, just give us one name that you think you were impressed a lot with. And what do you think everybody can learn from how they went about, you know, either opportunity identification or translating that opportunity into some kind of revenue stream or the sort of pivot that they did? Anything that you think we can learn from? So there is this company called Go Quick. Go Quick. Uh, okay. It started by our juniors only, Sudi, for maybe like three, four years junior to us. Mm. Uh, you know, um, as soon as I saw the pitch, I was like, I have to invest in it. Mm. And that is one of my highest uh, multi-baggers in the portfolio. Now, <laughs> now, now the thing uh, that is slightly, uh, uh, you know, frustrating for me that is that I didn't invest too much in there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so it was actually a good one. So I hope they will prosper as they go along. Okay. And GoQuick is, uh, is a checkout company? Yes, yes. It's a checkout product. Yeah, correct. Okay. And what what do you think they got right? Is it the opportunity identification or their PMF was great? What do you think was good about them? Yeah, both. Uh, so the founder, uh, I mean, I don't have daily interactions with them, etc. But the founder had worked in an e-commerce company. Uh, mm. And it was very evident in his pitch that he was very clear about the problem that he was trying to solve. Mm. This was in the initial pitch. Okay. You know, when people were not ready to invest in him. Mm. 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 Okay. Fair. And I've even heard that uh, a number of checkout uh, startups also got incubated at uh, this one, Shopify. Okay. Yeah, even globally. Okay. Uh, because that's a problem which, you know, I think a lot of the people have tried to solve for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even small stores who want to create a store on Shopify and therefore are struggling with checkout problems. Yeah, uh, you know, and checkout we, is a lot about you know one making sure that the fulfillment happens. Number two, all the discount coupons and everything that you want to customize there. Mm-hmm. So it seems like a problem which uh, possibly has a lot of dimensions to it. Yeah, that is correct. So though that's why I was saying that new opportunities would keep on coming in. Mm. You know, so in fourteen years back, uh, when uh, we were fresh out of B school. Uh, it was e-commerce was a big opportunity. Now mm. each of the specific sectors in e-commerce itself is a big opportunity. Mm. So as things grow, uh, mm. you know, the new opportunities would keep on coming in and smart entrepreneurs would always discover those and uh, will try to solve it in a creative way. Okay, right. excellent. So now you as a as somebody who is now one, uh, a creator within this space, number two, an uh, angel investor and a ringside viewer or a balcony viewer as he said it of this space okay. if you were to advise some of the marketing students or the uh, or the entrepreneurs the startup entrepreneurs that this is one space you should look at is going to hot up a lot this is some place that you should invest your capability and uh, effort into what would that be <laughs> i don't have a clear answer to that uh, sudi but i believe that agritech uh, you know, climate tech, etc., would be like really large. Okay. People are really excited about AI as well, but they are excited about AI as a technology, and they are yeah. not excited about how AI would solve some of the consumer problems. Yeah. You know? But there may be some places where you can deploy AI as well. Mm, but right. currently, most of the things that is being solved or that where the approaches are coming are like very basic tactical level problems. Uh, but okay. Agri-tech, climate tech, new things would keep on coming in. So not sure about that completely. Okay, fair. So you're asking me to predict future if I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> Lijo is being humble. And for those of you who are listening to us, AI right now in the last com- comment that he made is artificial intelligence. It is not angel investing. <laughs> oh, yeah. <correct. laughs> okay, I'm going to pick, pick up on that, Lijo. I'm going to turn that around and say, a lot of the angel investors keep talking about maintaining a deal flow. Hmm. For our listeners, yeah. could you tell us what a deal flow is and how does an angel investor maintain deal flow? Uh, 
so uh, typically uh, these are the uh, you know early stage companies who are seeking investments from you hmm. uh, so that is known as deal flow so you need to have contacts you need to have uh, other ways in which uh, you know these companies should be reaching out to you uh, okay. so essentially if the pool of the companies that is reaching out to you is really large uh, you know then you can pick and choose from them Mm. and you can deploy your uh, capital accordingly uh, so i am a part of investment committee of some of the uh, you know funds as well uh, you know analyze some of these uh, companies from a product and uh, you know a few other perspectives so out of the 20 or 30 companies that are being analyzed in any of these investment companies typically the investments goes to one or two mm. so uh, so so before you do one angel investment you know you need to look at uh, 30 or 40 or even uh, maybe more companies depending upon your risk appetite depending upon your investment thesis and multiple other things hmm. Hmm. and this is about you having access to all these startups before you can make a decision on where you want to invest correct correct Got and it also uh, shows the investment in terms of time that you have to do you know mm-hmm. 30 startups means you will have to spend time with each of them you know try to understand what they are trying to do is the problem really worth solving or investing in mm-hmm. what is the size of the market etc so this is so anybody who is new to angel investment they can actually enroll into syndicates in angel list or less venture etc do some initial investments figure out how it is and mm-hmm. then uh, you know then you can actually go out and uh, do some investments on your own awesome Awesome. Fair. Okay. Very good. I think that is really helpful, uh, not just from uh, you know angel investment point of view, but also from a startup point of view. The guys who are looking to raise investment. And Lijo, any any advice for uh, entrepreneurs uh, in what is being termed as a funding winter, where everybody is trying to prune uh, their uh, run rates and especially the spending run rates, and therefore. you know everybody is really thinking that funding is not really available people are asking hard questions etc etc any advice for the entrepreneurs in during this context see the early stage funding is very active even now uh, mm. for uh, angel investments or maybe like till series a uh, the funding is really active out there now everybody is a little bit cautious is the only chain that has come in but late stage funding is uh, relatively difficult as you can see in all the news things etc mm. but it's a good thing uh, since most of the since uh, so it's a wake up call and uh, the companies would become much more uh, efficient internally uh, mm. on how they are deploying their resources not only cash but also people and uh, you know other resources as well so okay. the age of chasing growth at the cost of uh, whatever is gone now it will be like prudent choices that will be made to ensure that there will be profitable growth hmm that's a good thing right yeah it's a it's a good thing it's and, an excellent thing actually if you ask me yeah. yeah and from what you're saying if i were to paraphrase what you're saying dijo is that there is no funding winter at the early stage so the no. startup founders are going in for their seed pre seed a they don't have to be worried or even consume too much of the news that's going on about the funding winter because it doesn't necessarily concern them yeah uh, no uh, you are right that's that's the way currently the things are so winter okay. is not coming <laughs> winter is existing only in some areas is what i would say at the top of the pyramid <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> correct okay excellent So now, uh, Lijo, uh, from dispensing knowledge around product marketing to sharing your experiences within angel investing, now uh, is the time where we, where we mine some of your advice for people mm-hmm. who are starting out their careers. Okay. Right. So uh, our podcast gets listened to by a number of marketing students and some number of people who are working currently with either startups or agencies who service the startups. and they also look for some advice around building capability or how to shape their careers correct right both sides is is where we get most of our questions from mm. so any advice that you have for 
you know tech marketers who uh, want to enter into this space looking to enter from a career point of view what would you tell them the first advice is to ensure that uh, you are finding out what you really enjoy you know mm. if you find out what you really enjoy and then you won't look at what you're doing as work because if it is enjoyable then you you won't mind doing it at whatever time of the day and you know whatever the effort it takes that's the fundamental thing that you need to remember that is one part second um i believe that uh, the age of working for a single company till 60 years and then retiring that is gone now you know the companies itself are not surviving so uh, you should actually look at your career in two stages the first stage is where you are experimenting and hmm. what i would call as exponential phase of your career so that's a stage in which you should take moonshot with few startups and try to see whether you can make it or not so working for startups is really tough by the way it's so working for 3 years in a startup is equivalent to working for 10 years in an established company because there will be so much learning and the intensity mm-hmm. is much right and the second stage of your career uh, after exponential phase is the steady state of your career where if you if you got a moonshot then it is well and good so in the steady state of your career you can think about you know starting something on your own or being an advisor or progressing within the company where you have been already working etc etc with less intensity that is maybe after say 40 years or whatever it is so that's the way you should actually look at your career and you should also decide whether you will become a domain expert or a functional expert whether mm. uh, even in marketing or even in product management or any of the you know disciplines like that so if you love fintech and product management you want to become a fintech product manager throughout your career or if you like love product management only then you can actually get a chance to work on multiple things that's the way you have to uh, look at your career that is one part to summarize first find what you really enjoy doing and then make a career out of it second divide your career into two phases exponential phase where you take some moonshot with startups and few things that you really wanted to do but you never could do and second is a steady state where once you understand what you really enjoy doing and if some of your moonshots are successful then you know you can go to get into a steady state that's the way i would uh, look at planning my career now hmm. because one one of the reasons for this sudi is because none of these companies that i mentioned that i worked you know over the last 16 years none of them existed when we passed out of b school correct you know? <laughs> yeah so none of them existed when we passed out of b school so somebody who is passing out of b school now or who is starting fresh now we are speaking about the companies which have not been invented till now correct you know, so so that's the way you love to look at it interesting oh, really? that's a very good very good way of looking at it it is inspiring as well as scary at the same time yes <laughs> so bring this back uh, lijo to say we are talking about the conversation of uh, business of brands here on the podcast so how do you see marketing in technology and the role of technology in marketing evolving going forward because i know you are at the forefront of it So yeah. what are there any trends that we should be paying attention to is that something that's happening behind the scenes on the tech and the marketing front what's going on when i look into it uh, what i see is that because of technology marketing is becoming a lot roi driven hmm. you know so when i say roi driven um, when i used to speak to cmos in 2010s etc it was all about brand uh, you know and related aspects but now if, when we speak about speak to cmos the same cmo they are speaking about leads and content marketing and you know martech uh, you know hubspot and all that see marketing would be here to stay uh, technology would help marketing to do it in a better way but one thing that is slightly disconcerting for me is that the human element of marketing sometimes we feel that uh, sometimes i feel that we tend to forget about it when we are chasing rois uh, which is one part uh, you know that was pretty good in the old times you know so everything would uh, reinvent as it comes along and things should fall into place in the right way right what do you mean by the human element teacher can i press you on that a little more yeah so um 
so what i mean by that is that the traditional way in which uh, we had looked at stp that s has so many subset t also has so many subset p also has so many subsets <laughs> uh, so which is the subset to which we should be marketing to you know right. very difficult call to take so that's that's what i meant when i am speaking about the human element you know right. we are not speaking about a single cohort that used to watch you know the old chitrahar when you put a uh, ad there <laughs> the fmcg uh, you know product sales used to boom now right. there are so many channels uh, you know so many messages how do we ensure that everything remain consistent all throughout who are we really marketing to that is what i meant when i you know so i was speaking about uh, human element right the people who we want to talk to it's about it's communication at the end of the day right yeah yeah it's communication at yeah. the end of yeah and i think the yeah communication and the specific fact is like lejo kept saying repeatedly you're finally solving a human problem exactly yeah right. technology is an enabler so therefore understanding the human and their problem is very critical uh, and maybe what he meant was probably we lose ourselves in leads and data and uh, and and cpl and uh, etc yeah. too much and we forget that there is a person at the end other end who is supposed to have a problem and we are supposed to solve for it correct exactly that is what yeah, so the you, you named it <laughs> okay nice so lejo we also uh, get approached by a lot of people who are uh, Uh, worried about their future prospects or who are currently you know entrepreneurs who are serving startups they mm-hmm. get worried about ai and ml mm. yeah stating that uh, you know there's a lot of noise around ai and ml taking up jobs taking up uh, you know a lot of uh, uh, a lot of stuff which otherwise was getting serviced via agencies or mm-hmm. getting serviced via people who were in house within the companies and mm. how would that impact their job prospects what should they do around it any you know point of view there any any advice for people yeah so see there is no point in fighting a uh, the way in which uh, uh, he was looking at it is that how you can coexist with a uh, mm. the same fear that you told uh, about uh, so many jobs being taken by a earlier when we had to write any uh, product requirements document you know it was actually maybe a one week job to do a mm. well written product requirements document in product management mm. now you tell the exact details to uh, chat gpt or whichever is the a system that you are using and you will get a well formatted well thought out document within like maybe like 10 minutes Mm. you know that fear is across the sectors how things would uh <laughs> you know evolve as we move along not only in marketing yeah. so you yeah. have to wait and watch and see how things are uh you know evolving as we move forward uh, mm. but another way to approach it is that oh so so much time that i was spending on this i can use ai and make it really fast but whatever ai is giving Uh, you know the same output is out there for all the people who are trying to use ai but mm. you can actually differentiate and create it in a better way by using the right prompts or right questions going deeper and things like that mm. so my expectation is that ai will get a lot of time to think about the problems about the strategy etc and all these uh, low level tactical things that is being done can be outsourced to ai that's the way right. that i was looking at it forget Excel. marketing and product management think about bpo you know hmm. think about uh, you know all those low level uh, no i wouldn't say low level all those manual tasks which can be easily automated yeah you know yeah. there lies the challenge especially in marketing it hmm. frees up time for the human element to come back into focus yeah yeah no i think yeah. he he also uh, i echo the same thing and and i heard uh, naval ravikant say this sometime back that finally all humans are made to do some creative job and ai allows you to spend time on that without really you know spending time on mundane things exactly. yeah yeah it's just this one thought around singularity lijo yeah. that from being from employing ai to being employed yeah. for ai how far are we <laughs> again you are asking me to predict future <laughs> but i don't think you <laughs> but i don't think we are being very far uh i mean okay. i don't think we are very far from those days okay. you know we'll have to figure out how it is 
okay the a, fair the a activists will also come into <laughs> picture yes come into picture in some time yes yes now in fact i i i was hearing i was listening to this podcast again between jorogan and navel ravikant uh-huh. and uh, navel says that the days when ai will start employing us uh-huh. will only start when we are able to mimic what human brain does Correct. and right now we are very very far away we are able to Im- mimic only digital signals on off on off that's it yeah but nature has made the brain so complex that it is very difficult to replicate it yeah so therefore he was giving at least a good amount of confidence that at least in our lifetime we are far away from singularity yeah so let's so see i just thought oh. i'll i'll get lijo's affirmation on that and rest peacefully tonight <laughs> yeah i mean so you like to wait and see how this is evolving it's it's too fast the way in which uh, ai is evolving or any of the te- uh, technical aspects around mm. you know ml or ai is evolving is really really fast hmm 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 any particularly interesting use case of ai that you have employed see my wife is a teacher you mm. know she used to spend uh, i mean rather than my use case let me i was actually observing her and once we once i showed her how ai can be done she mm. she has been like trying to use ai for creating some questions and lesson plans etc which used to take a lot of time you know early nice. yeah nice. so uh, so i taught her how this can be done uh, mm. and uh, she has been using it in a very smart way so nice. uh, so that i mean i'm just saying there are so many use cases out there anybody can use ai it is so simple to use mm. uh, but it may not replace search but it is so simple to use nice now that's a great uh, example lijo for something which is which possibly we might see every day around us mm. uh, anybody who whether you are working in tech uh, space or not you can employ ai to make yourself more efficient correct yeah i think at the end of the day it is a productivity tool and it's really up to the individuals how they want to leverage it and add like you said their own spice into the mix and see see what cooks up Correct. and uh, yeah. i think the the first persons who will get replaced are marketing consultants sharan <laughs> marketers the consultants will survive no, no. Market- <laughs> lijo don't get hassled with it we keep taking pot shots so don't worry about it no, no, no. he keeps taking pot shots at me i never even take a pot shot at him because all his breed are my prospective clients <laughs> <laughs> excellent no i think this is this was good fun uh, these are some of the things that we thought we will talk to you about lejo uh, yeah these are many of these aspects are some things that we come across from time to time uh, neither sharan nor i are uh, honestly qualified enough to talk about most of these aspects we know about it from general mm. chat that we have heard around it but we were really looking for a subject matter expert who could speak from their experience and you know give some qualified uh, uh, knowledge uh, to our listeners so that they can benefit from it i yeah. i think at least i am very happy with what i got i am okay. hoping that the listeners also got their due okay great uh, i'm yeah, sure so- and we rarely come across a person with an mba background not having taken the traditional path and even in the non traditional path branch out into acting in documentaries and then coming back to work in startups i think the i think the personality is what has driven the conversation today and the experiences you've therefore gathered because of your personality so thank you so much for sharing this with us lijo yeah yeah pleasure sharan pleasure sudi uh, it was actually really fun uh, speaking to both of you uh, you know but what we have to remember at the end of the day is that there are so many things that we can do in life and we should not compartmentalize ourselves to only one thing uh, mm. and not know whatever is there in unknown and we should not be having the regret when we are like 80 or 90 that i could have done this i could have done that so just ensure that you are living each day to the to its fullest wow. see i told you sharan life philosophy is not far away when you are talking to lijo <laughs> the maslow's hierarchy shows up <laughs> <laughs> actualized this episode now finally no <laughs> so, so, next, thank you for this lijo i think next, it's been a great pleasure <laughs> yeah no so the next thing that i want to yeah. do is 
uh, you know, do some organic farming. So I'm getting ready for that. So let me see how it proceeds. Oh, so, I'm, <laughs> so I'll try to see how that part is coming along. Uh, you know, that is something that I want to experience. So we'll figure out as we move forward. Very wow. good. I think, Sharon, next we should host Lejo sometime later on a podcast as a tech farmer. Yes. <laughs> farmer who is completely tech enabled. And that is why I said he is looking at agri-tech space. AI, agro-tech. <laughs> it's the combination we're going to put together. Correct. Correct. So let's... And yet with AI, you will have organic. Yeah. 100% organic. So. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Good. I think this was good fun, Lejo. Thank you for doing this. Uh, yeah. We hope to host you sometime, possibly later again as well in, in your latest avatar. And uh, yeah. till then, thank you very much from all our listeners as well as us. Thanks a lot. Yeah, It's a pleasure, Sharon so and Sudhi. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for hosting. Thank you for listening to Cobb. Conversations on the business of brands with Sudeep Chavla and Sharvana Raghavan. Subscribe and learn more at copcast.net. That's C-O-B-B-C-A-S-T dot net. Mm-hmm.